and bright Deep in the heart of Texas The prairie sky is wide and high Deep in the heart of Texas Howdy, friends, and welcome to the Assyrian Podcast, episode number 138. Y'all need to listen up, because today we got a real-life Texan on the show. His name is Ramil Nasari, and he'll explain the Texas culture, history of Assyrians in Texas, and tell us why so many people are moving to Texas. You may never want to live on a ranch or ride a horse, of course, but you will love this episode. Ramil is a world traveler, IT professional, a licensed family mediator, and a massive Assyrian community builder. There are several hundred Assyrians living in Texas, and Ramil has been working amongst all the different groups throughout the years as they establish a new landing place for Assyrians. Before we get to this week's interview, I want to remind you to make sure you rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. Also, if you know someone who should be on the podcast, please reach out to us and let us know. Share this episode with your friends, with your neighbors, with your family who want to learn more about Assyrians. This episode is sponsored by the Oshana Partners, a husband and wife real estate team. Are you considering purchasing or selling a home in Arizona or California? John and Rita are available to help make your next real estate decision into a seamless transaction. Contact the Oshanas at 209-968-9519. Get to know them a bit by checking out their website, theoshanapartners.com. The Assyrian Podcast is also brought to you by Tony Caligaracos and the Injury Lawyers of New York and Illinois. If you know anyone who has been in a serious accident, please reach out to Tony Caligaracos. Tony has been recognized as a top 40 lawyer and a rising star by Super Lawyers Publication and has obtained multiple multi-million dollar awards. Tony can be reached at InjuryRights.com or 847-982-9516. Now giddy up, hop on that saddle, and let's go for a ride with Ramil Nasari. All right. Welcome, Ramil Nasseri, to the Assyrian Podcast. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for agreeing to be on this show. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Would you consider yourself a longtime listener, first-time caller, or something like that? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely a long-time listener, long-time fan. I do enjoy what you guys do. I love listening to them and getting to know about all the different Assyrians that you guys interview. I feel very honored to be counted among that number. Yeah, so, well. Thank you very much. You are truly a studier of Assyrians from their history to who they are now to where they're at now. And I, I'm pretty sure you probably know an Assyrian and anywhere in the world they're located, you know someone. I want to begin with this. I'm curious to know, how did you end up in Texas? Okay, pull up a chair. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. It was actually a plan my parents had planned before I even was born. They had planned to come to the U.S. My uncle, my dad's brother, had come here before, had studied here in Texas, had gotten married, and had established himself here. So the, the idea was basically to come here and join my uncle. That's, that's how we decided for Texas. Do you know how your uncle decided on Texas? It was based on education. When he came over here, he was first in New York, spent a year in New York living with his cousin. This was in the late 60s and, you know, studied language, got to know the United States a little bit, worked in Delhi in New York, right off of Central Park. And then as he was taking night classes and going to school, he applied for some scholarships and he ended up getting a couple of scholarships for the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. That's how he ended up down here. So he went to Waco, and then later he went to Dallas. Not Waco. It was Mary Harden Baylor, which is in Belton. Okay. City south of Baylor University. So 
with the Assyrian podcast. We have people are listening right now in Germany and Australia and Iran and Iraq, all over the world. So when you say Baylor, they're not going to know. And I'm wondering, can you explain what Texas is to one of those people? Because they have no idea, right? I guess not. And I guess I'm going to do it through a couple of stories and anecdotes. So I found it interesting since I spent some time in Germany. I grew up there. I guess we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Running, and I had, I had a lot to do with Americans, especially like military guys that were over there. And whenever you spoke to Americans, it was very, very interesting to me that most Americans that were from all over the place, let's say they're from New York, California, you know, like LA, Kansas City, doesn't matter where. If you ask them where they're from, they would say, oh, I'm from the United States or I'm from America or I'm American. It was really interesting that a large majority of Texans, when you spoke to them and you asked them, well, where are you from? They automatically will say, I'm from Texas. <laughs> uh, which I think highlights kind of the, the Texas pride, the state pride that they have. And it goes into the history of the, of the state and the way that people think about the state, the way they identify with it, they take pride in it, you know, the Lone Star State, this, that, and whatnot. So I think that then comes across. And oftentimes, I think Texans kind of feel that people should know about them. So if I mention a city or a school or something, I might mention it by the short name. And after having lived here for 27 years and have really taken Texas to heart, we expect for people to know about our state and to know what the institutions are that are important to us and the cities and, you know, all that stuff, because we're Texas. Right, right. Can you confirm, is it true that Texas is the only state in the United States that wrote into their constitution that they could leave the United States, they could secede from the union if they wanted to? Now we're going into uh, Texas history. This was in the Texas Constitution when they first joined the United States, that there was a clause because before they applied for statehood, Texas was already a republic. In fact, much like California. But after the Civil War and during the reconstruction of that time, the Texas Constitution, state constitution, was rewritten eight or nine times. You know, don't quote me on that, but it, it is quite numerous times. And somewhere in those iteration, the secession clause was dropped and taken out. Wow. So there is still a mythos of that Texas would have the option to secede from the union, but that is that is all that is is like is a, is a little little Texas dream. Once again, adding to the to the importance that we Texans feel that we have. But yeah, legally they cannot secede from the union. Got it. If you're in Texas, which flag is raised higher, the Texas state flag or the United States flag? Uh, neither. They fly at the same level. They fly at the, now. Is that the only state that does that? No. Uh, in fact, your state, California, can do that too. Those are the only two states that are allowed to do that because of their former independent statehood. Because even California was a was a republic before it joined the union. And Ramil, this is what I love about you. I know every conversation I go into with you. It's not going to be about what we're talking about. We're going to be able to dive in <laughs> to so many other topics. So, again, take us back to how you ended up in Texas. I know you mentioned your uncle, but tell me a little more about your parents, their background, your background, and then when you came to Texas. Sure. So my family is originally from Iran and actually from the Urmi region. My dad, Nathan, or Nathan Nasseri, he is in Sanger, right? He's from the village of Sanger. And my mom, Berta Shavel Oksar, she's from Ardeshai, the village of Ardeshai in Urmi. And I was born in Tehran. Long story short, like I said, my parents had decided that they wanted to come to the United States. This was actually before 
even the Shah was gone, or it was right, right, right before the revolution. They had applied for a green card. My uncle was sponsoring them since he was here. And as we were waiting for this to happen, the Iran-Iraq war started, and we had like about a year or so left for that 10-year, you know, the, the, the time span that it takes for the application to go through. So my dad and my mom decided that we were going to leave, go to Germany, live with some family there. Her siblings were there. So we were going to live with them for a little while and then come to the United States. A problem arose with some of the paperwork where our application was canceled. So we had to engage INS lawyers. And we basically got stuck in Germany for about seven, almost eight years. And then uh, in July 3rd, 1993, we ended up coming to Texas. Wow. July 3rd, 1993. What was even the world like at that point? I don't know what the world was like. I can tell you what Texas was like. It was hot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was in the middle of the summer. Uh, Here's a kid that basically grew up in Germany, has no idea what's going on. I mean, when we, when we flew over, over here, it was 68 degrees in Germany and Frankfurt and was raining. I get here and before we land, you know how they announce it on the airplane. It's like it's 2.30 in the afternoon. We're reaching Dallas, Texas. It is 103 degrees Fahrenheit with a 12 degree heat index. Of course, I have no idea what Fahrenheit is because I'm used to Celsius. Well, I found out very quickly once we got through immigration lines, met my aunt and uncle, you know, like hugs and kisses and everybody says hello. And we're walking outside to go to the car. And as the doors open and that heat hits me, that Texas heat, I was second guessing my parents' decision if it is a good idea to move to Texas. Yeah, man, that that heat is super hot. I mean, when it hits you, you feel it. So was that a big adjustment for you as a kid, or did you kind of get used to it? Yeah, the weather, honestly, I I like to make a big story about it, but weather wasn't that bad. Some of the more cultural things were were hard for me to adjust to, or not not necessarily hard, but I was surprised. Was there a bunch of guys on, on horses and wearing cowboy hats? No, that's what I was expecting, Steve. Like, literally, the only thing I really knew about Texas... Besides book learning is uh, what you see on the TV show Dallas. So I was guessing there's going to be high rises and then right outside of it, there's going to be like, you know, guys in boots and cowboy hats and belt buckles and cows and horses. And they were missing. They were not there. So it was kind of strange. So I had to I had to learn uh, what 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 being in North Texas was like, what being a Texan is like. Found out later on that, yes, those cowboy hats and boots are there, but of course, they're not as prevalent as they, they're, they're made out to be in, in you know, TV shows and on TV. Yeah, you got to kind of travel to see some of that stuff, right? Right, right. You got you to get a little bit out in the country or go to Fort Worth. Exactly. The stockyard. So when you showed up, you're in high school and were you able to make new friends? What was that like? Did you speak English? Yeah, I spoke English. So having grown up in Germany and having gone, I'm I'm sure our our friends that have experienced that or folks that are listening that might be from Germany, when you go to the German schools, you have to declare for different foreign languages starting in fifth grade. And mine, I, I chose English and we had really good instructors and good professors. Plus I had family members that lived in England, so I got to actually practice my English. My aunts and uncles went to school in Oxford, so I got to speak with them. So I was somewhat prepared when I came here and, you know, started getting used to uh, school life here because I I finished my high school, uh, my last two years of high school here in, in Texas. Very cool. For someone who is not familiar with Texas, can you tell us what are the major cities? And when you first arrived, where were those Assyrian? Were there any Assyrians in Texas? Yeah, so I arrived in what we call North Texas, right? So Texas is kind of broken down into five different regions. You have South, East, West, 
Central Texas and then North Texas. So the North Texas is kind of like the Dallas and Fort Worth area. We call it the DFW area or the DFW Metroplex. And those are the two major cities. And then there's a whole bunch of smaller townships and cities that are, you know, suburbs that are in between them. So that's the main area. Then you have the South, you have Houston. And once again, Houston is surrounded by a lot of little townships. The other big areas are the state capital, Austin, kind of Austin, San Antonio, that area, which is more central. And then you have, you know, some of the smaller coastal towns that span all the way down to to Mexico. But those are like the, the three largest inhabited areas, especially back in 1993. DFW, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I don't want to leave out El Paso, but, you know, that wasn't that big of a deal at the time. It's still, it depends on how you look at it. It's still not as big compared to those three other areas that we talked about. Hey, I heard there's a Mexican girl in El Paso. (laughs) You heard that song too, huh? (laughs) Yeah. So Google the song El Paso. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll love it. It'll, it'll give you a good feel for Texas too. That song feels like Texas, doesn't it? It does. It does. So where were Assyrians in 1993 in Texas? In 1993, when I came here, on the Assyrian front, I kind of felt a little bit lonely because, honest to goodness, the only people I knew were my parents, my uncle, and that's it. Mm -hmm. We had a cousin, uh, Khnami, that lived here. We connected with him, and through him and a couple other families here, I started to get to know the larger Assyrian population. They were in the north north dallas area so north of the dallas townships and the little suburbs got to start to know them i would say at the time there was maybe somewhere on 100 120 at the most individuals so maybe like 30 40 households then i found out about some in houston we had a small community there Before I got here in 93, we did have a very large community in Midland, Odessa area, which is central Texas, oil country. No country for, what is that movie? Uh, It was a no no country for old men. Isn't it based in that city? I think think it's based around that area. Yeah. And also, if I remember, Friday Night Lights. Oh, yes. Friday Night Lights. Yeah. I think that's kind of based there. What were Assyrians doing in Midland and Odessa? Oil, oil business. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of them there. From what I understand, we're talking several, several thousand that worked in that area. Uh, it was a vibrant community. We had an established church of Church of the East that was there. We had our priest and everything there. In Midland? In Midland, yeah. Okay. Uh, talking, like I said, 70s. And 80s, and then when the oil boom kind of dies out, these folks start moving to either Houston, some to Dallas. Most of them, we're talking California, Arizona, Chicago. They go, they go back to the larger Assyrian communities, and that community kind of dies out. Mm-hmm. Is um, there any Assyrians in Midland now? I think there might be a few individuals that are still left there. You could probably count them on one hand. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that rundown. Would you say that that's where Assyrians first started? Can you give us like a brief history of Assyrians in Texas? Okay, from, yeah, from my understanding, from what I've been able to find out, that was the largest Assyrian community. That's, I would say that's where they started. But there are some entrepreneurs and individuals that came out west came down here way before that i can't remember his name but there is i was i was digging around in some uh, texas history books and i was surprised to find a assyrian baptist preacher in the temple north of austin south of waco that area all the way back to 1940s wow 
And there were some individuals down in Houston that that were talking like right around the World War II time or right after World War II that they start coming there. Some coming in the 60s. Most of them worked in the petroleum field, petroleum engineers and stuff like that. But yeah, the, the majority, I would say, would be Midland and Odessa. And then what is now left, I would say, too small, but very, very strong, very well-connected communities in the Houston area and in the Dallas area. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the Assyrian podcast, because obviously there's a craze of people in general that have been moving to Texas. Right. And I'd love for you to share with us, like, what are the Texas Assyrian communities like now? What are they up to? Well, let me tell you quickly about our Houston one, because I'm, I'm, I'm in good contact with the folks down there. We have the Houston American Association down there. So there is a mutva that has been actually active since, I want to say, like probably the early 90s. They bought property out there in, in Katy, Texas, and started little by little through hard work and donations developing it and doing stuff. And currently we have a beautiful hall that's there that they use for, you know, social gatherings, for church gatherings, for concerts, shot on New Year's, you know, anything. So they have a beautiful building out there and they're improving the outdoor grounds left, right, and center. Very active, very dedicated, small community down there. They're doing wonderful. So if anybody's moving out that way, Contact me and I'll put you in, in, in contact with the right people. How many Assyrians would you say are in Houston? And then how far is Houston from Dallas? My guesstimation is probably somewhere on around 150, give or take a few individuals, about like 30 some odd families, maybe 40 families. Houston is in the south part of Texas and the distance between Houston and Dallas area is give or take three and a half, four hours, depends on you know, traffic and where in Houston area you are. Houston area is pretty big. If you go from one side of it to the other, it takes about an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a very widespread area. So there's 150 Assyrians in Houston. How many is there in DFW? And then how many is there total? Do you, do you know in Texas? It's going to be estimates up here. I think we have a little bit more. We're probably more towards 200, maybe some more. I'm finding new folks, uh, especially a lot of our young folks that are just recently moving to Texas. Some of them reach out and contact us or when they find us. Some we by chance run into, or you know, we talk to somebody's cousins, moms, next door neighbors, whatever in Arizona. And then we find out, oh, so-and-so's grandson is moving to, to Dallas. So those are the main areas. We have some Assyrians in Austin, we have some in the military installations in Fort Hood, some of our Assyrian men and women that serve in the U.S. Army. So they, they, they come through there. But yeah, so th those are the two, I guess, main areas that you will find Assyrians and organized Assyrians. In the North Dallas area, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit since I'm myself a member there. We have a parish of the Church of the East, parishes. So St. Jacob. Currently, I am the vice president of the CETA, of the committee. And we also have started the North Texas Assyrian Association. You guys can find us on Facebook, the same as, as Houston. That got started about two years ago. I am involved in that as a member. I'm not, of course, on the, on the committee. But we have those two going. And we try to basically have different events for, for our community here to keep everybody together and, and build a strong community. Yeah, I mean, 200 is a big jump from when you got there in 1993, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say it has at least doubled, if not more. And can you share what are Assyrians like in Texas in the, compared to California or Chicago or anywhere else in the world? What What's like the Assyrian-Texan distinctive? I would say, if I would have to choose one trait, is adventurous. Adventurous? 
Yeah, the folks that come out here are a lot more adventurous because, and this is my opinion, because they're leaving their larger communities, their family and friends, these established big communities like you have in San, you know, Northern California, in San Jose, in LA, Chicago, you know, alone is what um, I think somewhere between 70 to 90,000, you know, or uh, now in Michigan, you have a lot of Assyrians. So they're, they're leaving these large, vibrant communities that have all these services, you know, all these cultural products that they offer anywhere from churches, from our gatherings, from musical events, you know, and you name it. They are leaving these and striking out on their own into, into the badlands of the United States, be it for education, be it for work, be it for that, you know, that entrepreneurial opportunity to, to get that experience and to get that opportunity. So I think that's what sets them apart from maybe other Assyrian communities. Mm -hmm. So that sense of adventure and risk-taking. That's a unique take on them because that's, that's obviously someone who's been there and who knows those people and has spent a lot of time because we don't know enough about Assyrians in Texas, but I mean, isn't that what Texas is though? Like gunslingers and, you know, <laughs> cowboys, right? Isn't that the, the persona of Texas to a degree? It, ha it has that spirit. I would say so. It has that unique spirit of the frontier man, the opportunist, the big rancher, the oil man. Yeah, basically uh, seeking out their fortune. I would, say, I would say Texas has that in its DNA. And what's it been like to be building this community or building these civic and church programs for that community? Have you felt like the Assyrians there want to connect with each other? They're in touch with one another? What's that all like? So it has been, it has been a wild ride, but it also has been a pleasure and honor to, to serve our community. And I didn't do it just because, you know, like, it was an opportunity or whatever. It's, it's because I wanted it. There were, there were certain things that I wanted for myself. I wanted, I wanted that closeness to the community. I wanted those, that Assyrian culture that is developed in those organizations. Whenever, you know, the, the things that happen when Assyrians get together. And I would say most of the folks here agree with that and thus have been very open and accepting and helpful to help us build those things. For example, if, if we have a church service, the attendance is very high. If we have a New Year's Eve party, the attendance is very high. And what I mean by that is not the same numbers as, of course, like in Chicago or LA, you know, you get, you know, Walter Azas to come sing and there's 2,000 people at the party. No, no, it's percentages. So being that we talked about it earlier, there's 150, 200, maybe 225 Assyrians here in the uh, Metroplex area. I'll, I'll just use our New Year's party from the year before, was it 2019? We had, the attendance was at almost 80. Mm -hmm. So you're talking... You know, if we say that the population is 200, you're talking, you know, 40% participation. Those yeah. are huge numbers. We've had more. Same for the church. We have, we have a lot of people coming because they want, of course, they want to hear the, the, the message, you know, the, the, the word of God, that anyway. But they also want to do it with their own people, with the Assyrians. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a, it's a very unique experience because yes it is it is the church of the east that has stepped up and is providing these services but our members are of the chaldean church our members are church of the east they're presbyterians they're baptists you know they attend other churches they belong to other churches but they see it as their assyrian home and they come there and not only benefit from the word of the Lord, but also the camaraderie that comes, you know, the, the, the community that, that's being built around that. Yeah, that kind of... They participate a lot. Right. They, they don't care about the tradition as much as they do of connecting with other Assyrians. Right, right, right. The, the importance, like I said, lies more on, uh, on being 
how did one of them put it? Uh, Nashid Gannon, you know, mm-hmm. people, that's very important to them. Everything else is a bonus. So, <laughs> and have you ever wanted to leave for any reason? Have you ever wanted to just ditch Texas? I love traveling, but for my own perspective, as far as like someplace to live, I wouldn't want to leave Texas. It has way too many benefits, economics of it. Of course, the connections that I have built, socio-political structures. I just enjoy Texas. And I believe living in Texas has helped me afford some of that traveling that I want to do. Because folks, living in Texas is cheap or cheaper than most other places. And it allows you to use your income and your money to do a lot more fun stuff, which is traveling around and seeing the world and having a lot more fun. Yeah. Speaking of what you're saying, like it's cheaper, is Texas going to, is Texas infrastructure going to be able to handle all of the people that are moving there? Everybody's talking about, everybody's moving to Texas, Mm -hmm. but what does that mean for traffic? What does that mean for house prices? Is it really cheap or is it skyrocketing? It is, it is rising. The housing, housing market is booming here. Businesses are moving here, of course, left, right, and center. What businesses? Uh, you, have, you have a lot of, you know, Fortune 500 companies. An example, let's say Toyota moved here. Their they're they're headquarters, their U.S. corporate headquarters in the last three years, they moved it over here. You have a lot of the insurance companies that are moving their headquarters here. Tesla is moving their man, one of their truck manufacturings here. And there's also talk about some some other divisions that are going to be coming here. So there, there's a lot of movement here of business. And that's that's really the reason why a lot of people are coming here, because of jobs. There's an abundance of jobs. So they're coming in for that opportunity. But which 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 means what, what you pointed out, you put your finger on it, is this this quick boom and this new development of infrastructure around this area. One good thing is we have the we have the space, so uh, we we can grow very quickly. And I think I, I'll speak for North Texas. They have been really rising to this challenge by decentralizing, I guess, where a lot of these businesses are going. So they're not going all in the same area, but they're moving them around. So that way you don't have like a concentration of of industry or work in one particular place and then you'll have you know traffic issues congestions and stuff like that so so they're since they're building that infrastructure they're able to like really think about it from a civil engineering kind of perspective and kind of move stuff around so i I think they're rising to the challenge Uh, for housing prices you're right they are going up for texas it is a boom but comparative to other areas especially other areas that our Assyrians are coming from, because I think that's the most important for us to be talking about here. It is still extremely affordable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. So you've never been like, I got to get out of Texas. No, not, not as far as moving permanently. I get wanderlust. <laughs> I, I like to get out and go do stuff. Yeah. Uh, I get, I get sick and tired of being in the same place, but I think, Texas has been a place that has drawn me back as far as like, yeah, I'd like to set roots, you know, down roots here. Let me throw this out. The only, the only way I would ever move out of Texas is, is to go back home. And we're talking, but not him. So if, if we ever get an Assyrian country, country of our own, I'm one of the first to move out there. Good for you. Uh, it's Texas. <laughs> yeah, that, that aligns with who you are. And, you know, we spent many years together in Texas, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar. But I think so many people who live in Texas or are from outside of Texas have heard things like everything's bigger in Texas. Is that, can you share, is everything bigger in Texas? Yes, it is. And what does this, that mean? As a Texan speaking, it's not necessarily the size of stuff. I mean, the thing is, yeah, the, the state is one of the biggest ones we have in the United States, you know, barring Alaska and, and uh, I think California. But it's the, I think it's more the attitude. 
you know, we, we joke around, we're like, well, our, our capital in Austin is six and a half feet taller than the capital in, in Washington, D.C., and it's built in the same style. But that's more tongue-in-cheek. I think what it is is, I would say, the, the attitude of the Texans, the idea that we like to think big, dream big, big things are possible, there's big egos, you know, and it's that is that Texas pride. I think that's what's really big. But scale wise, yeah, we got we got just room, you know, and room room to do things. So speaking of sort of some comparisons, in terms of personalities within Texas, I tend to think that Dallas is the LA of California, Austin is the San Francisco of California, and San Antonio, maybe you could say it's the San Diego of California. I don't know how to categorize Houston, but would you say some of those comparisons fall true? I would say so. So Dallas is is more the modern app upbeat place, right? Austin, I would say, is the where a lot of policy happens. It is a very liberal town because it has two universities and a lot of smaller schools in that in that same area. Didn't you go there? I went to University of Texas. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Longhorn. <laughs> what does that mean that you're a long? Don't you have to do like a whoop or something? No, that's the Aggies. That's Texas A&M. No, we're, 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 we're Longhorn. We're Longhorns and we're proud of it. And we, we believe that we're the number one school in Texas, if not in the United States. There's that Texas pride again, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all about football. It's all about barbecue and... Uh, it's all about having a good time and doing all that while wearing burnt orange. That's the that's the school colors. But yeah, so so I think you nailed it. So Austin is more, I would say, kind of like San Francisco as far as like the liberal idea. Don't they have that slogan "Keep Austin Weird"? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, something they've been very proud of since the '60s and '70s. So there's that Houston. I always compared Houston to LA mainly because of the way it's built, right? So it's it's right off the Gulf, so it's right off the water, and it's massive. It's just expands and expands and expands. But it's also very industrious. It has a lot of shipping, of course, there, a lot of the oil refineries and stuff like that. If anything ever happens to Houston, I don't want to know what, to, what would happen to the prices of gas and oil. So, yeah. But Dallas, I would say, is more the modern one. That's where a lot of also a lot of the technology and stuff like that comes to. Fort Worth, I would call it the soul of Texas because it has that whole, you know, old rancher idea. There's some oil money there and all that. So they, they've, they've kept, if you really want to see Texas the way that Texans see it, go to Fort Worth. If you want to see the power of Texas and the modernity of Texas, Come on down to Dallas. That's that's what you're going to see there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and it's funny because there's a rivalry between those two cities. So, it's amazing for me to hear that you were in a fraternity. You've truly embraced Texas and America, but you've also kept your Assyrian identity strong. Can you share with us what that experience has been like? Yeah. So, I would say I had the fortune and the privilege to be able to grow up in three different continents and three different completely different cultures when I was growing up as a teenager. Of course, born in Iran into an Assyrian family, grew up in Germany, and then moved to the United States. And and I'm sure this is an experience that a lot of my compatriots, a lot of Assyrians can relate to because We've kind of gone through this through similar experiences. And I found embracing new, I was always interested in new cultures and new places that I went to, and embracing them was the best way to learn about them, to find out what it is that I like about them, what I love. It adds, it enriches my life, things that I've learned. But at the same time, I am at my core, I am a Syrian. So that core will never change. Everything else, I think, adds to it, enhances it. But 
the core will always be Assyrian because I'm, I'm very proud of it. And I believe that it is, it is something to be proud of, it's something to be cherished, something we have to take care of. There's always been a sense of duty, which I think for me has always been instilled by my parents and by my grandparents, watching their involvement in our communities, be it, be it educational with my mom and my grandfather, be it in the church, which most of my family has been involved in church, However you want to look at it, be it in, in, uh, in Mutva, uh, in Tehran. So it, it always instilled a sense of pride, you know, awe and wonder, of course, but a sense of pride and a sense of duty, that it is a duty and a privilege all at the same time to preserve our beautiful culture and our beautiful nation, you know, so it lives on in us. So that's why... It has never been a problem for me to stand with one foot in each culture. It has caused problem. Yeah, you know, it has caused some conflict, uh, which you and I have talked about uh, endlessly. Remember, as uh, as friends and hanging out. But nonetheless, it has also given me a lot of a lot of different opportunities, and it has enriched my life to to do to do both, to be fully fully Assyrian and fully Texan. Yeah. Well, it's been a number of years since I've been in Texas, and one of the things I'm seeing is that there's so many Californians moving to Texas that Texans are starting to resent Californians even more than you know when I was there. I I've seen like things pop up on my social media that say "Don't California my Texas." <laughs> yeah. So <don't>. <laughs> so my yeah. So my question is is should Assyrians, like what would draw them to want to come there? Is it worth coming to now in light of with everyone wanting to go there? Yeah, of course they should. It depends on the reason why they want to move. Most of the folks that are moving here, I think the main reason is economics, normally for jobs. Normally people look at it and say, you know, maybe being that real estate and land ownership is, is cheaper over there cost of living is lower. Maybe I will be able to, you know, have, I don't want to say a better life, but uh, a little bit more relaxed life. Yeah, they're, they're, everyone that's coming here, no matter if it's from California or where, wherever else, but yeah, we, we have an influx of people, as we call them, Yankees, you know, nor, nor, north of anything north of Texas is, is Yankee land for us. And then, of course, all the, the Westerners that are coming here, but, but they're coming here for a reason. Even though there is, you know, resentment or, you know, like a little bit of tongue in cheek of people saying stuff like, don't California up my Texas and all that. Because of what we talked about, that the spirit of Texas is like, those people are nonetheless accepted and integrated. And a lot of them are coming here because they, they kind of, to some degree, have that same, same spirit, you know, otherwise they wouldn't be coming here. People don't just get up and move to a place that they don't like. Mm -hmm. So the folks that are moving here are moving here for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is those economic opportunities. It is for to be able to, you know, maybe start a life and, you know, good education for your kids, you know, cheaper life, you know, a little bit more relaxed life. So those are the things that a lot of folks are coming here for. And I can only say, Come on down, especially to our Assyrians. Come and visit. Come take a look at it. See if you like it. And, uh, you know, then uh, as we say in the South, come stay a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, should they do an Assyrian convention in, in Dallas? No. <laughs> I think it should be in San Antonio. It's a lot more beautiful, and yeah. it is a convention city, and we would get a heck of a lot better deals there. And people would still experience Texas. Yep. And yes, the the Dallas and the Houston community. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there. We would be proud to host it. We, we, we would love we would love to do that. But I would I would move it to San Antonio because it is it's probably one of the most beautiful areas of Texas. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that we can talk all day long about Texas, and I guess if you really want to know Texas, it's it isn't until you step foot into that heat, right? 
Right, exactly. And you feel that heat and you realize this is different. Yeah, correct. However, you can blast your AC all day long. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I know in California, for example, we're worried about electricity. You all aren't as worried about electricity. No, no, we're not. So funny enough, this came up a few months ago, if you remember, and I think the whole world heard about it, uh, call it Snowmageddon or the Ice Age hitting Texas, where we had the worst winter storm in over 100 years in Texas. And it hit our infrastructure, especially our electrical infrastructure, very hard. And then, of course, people start asking all these questions about, you know, well, why is it that way? And well, Texas is always so proud that they're that they're off the grid. They have their own grid. They don't belong to the rest of the grid of the United States. Like, well, the reason our grid is set up the way it is, is to actually help us in the heat of the year. Mm-hmm. It's specifically built to, you know, mitigate that that hot time of the year, which you've heard me make this joke before. But it's, it's, it has a kernel of truth in it. I say, yes, Texas has four seasons. They're called December, January, February, and summer. <laughs> so our summers are very long yeah. and very hot. So, yeah, so uh, it, it, it was built for that. So usually it is cheaper down here with, when it comes to electricity, deregulation, and a whole bunch of other stuff that's going on. Yeah, everybody blasts their AC. Because you have to, you know, Yeah. summer. Well, there's so much more beauty to Texas. And I know all the work you've been doing over the years of getting all those Assyrians together. It's a vibrant community, which is exciting. And I think the other piece of your story that's interesting is like you've been able to do IT. You've been able to do um, different things. And then recently you've been helping out on movie sets. Is that sort of the mystique of Texas where because things are less expensive. You have the freedom to even play around a bit in your career as well. You know, Steve, I, I hadn't thought about that, but but maybe it has helped me with that. Being that I'm a bit of a restless soul and I like to do new things, learn new things. And when stuff becomes repetitive, I became, be, I become bored very quickly. I want to move on to something new. Like you said, I've, I've worked in IT before. You and I both have worked in education, and currently, yes, I'm trying my hand at at filmmaking in the film industry. In fact, I'm I'm about to wrap with a TV show here that's that's shooting in Dallas, and got a couple other things coming up. Hopefully, a couple of deals. So yeah, I guess it gives you those opportunities. You know, if 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 you can establish yourself, your life easier from an economical perspective does that make sense from a financial perspective you get a little bit more freedom to do different things to maybe take those risks of well let me switch gears let me switch industry let me switch direction you know let me let me try new ventures yeah and didn't you start your own card game didn't you like create a whole full board game all on yeah yeah actually i'm still working on that with a with an old friend of mine from college so this is the nerd side of me coming out. Mm-hmm. I, I am a gamer. I've always been a gamer. And yeah, we are trying our hand. We tried our hand at a game, at a card game, actually two different card games. And currently still kind of are working on that. We're thinking a step further. We're working with a couple other folks that we've connected with and doing a uh, board game, hopefully, that has a Persian theme like a Middle Eastern theme. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I like to get into different projects and see what I can do. Very cool. Well, Ramil, what is there anything else you think we definitely should talk about before we close this down? Yeah, um, so the one thing I would like to add is, of course, how to connect to these two Assyrian communities. Like I said, seek us out on Facebook, both the, in, in, in the Dallas area, both the church and the Mutva, the Shotaputa, they, they both have a Facebook presence. And, and I believe the Shotaputa also has a website. So you can always just Google 
uh, North Texas Assyrian Association uh, or American Assyrian Association and the Houston American Association. And, and, and you'll get contact with those people. If not, I always feel very, very comfortable to give my information out. People can always seek me out on Facebook. And I guess through this podcast, there will be information as can always reach out to me if you have any questions. And I will do my best to either answer those questions or help you out in any way I can or put you in contact with the people that can. But yeah, that's that's what I would like to leave people with is our, our doors open, you know, y'all come on down and visit. Okay. So one question that I like to ask everyone who comes on the Assyrian podcast is if you could say one thing to Assyrians all around the world that are listening to this episode of the Assyrian podcast, what do you say to them? I will say this. Never forget that you're Assyrian. Always be proud of it. And always try to highlight that through all of your actions. As you live your life, you are an embodiment and an example for the world of what and who Assyrians are. And almost every Assyrian I've ever met has been a a pride to his nation, a pride to our community. Uh, Make sure that you always highlight that. We were the first explorers. We were the first entrepreneurs. We are the first people that pushed the limits of our boundaries. And it's wonderful as I see our community, like people like you, folks that have put together this podcast, people that have put together our TV programs like A&B and stuff, some of our writers, some of our radio folks, everyone that I meet, they still embody that, that spirit that I think makes us Assyrian, which is always striving for excellence and always striving forward and doing, doing it the best that we can. So I would like to challenge my fellow Assyrians out there to always be excellent and to always be proud of being Assyrians and good luck and God bless you with everything that you do. All right. Well, what do Texans say when they say goodbye to each other? Don't let the door hit you where the the good Lord split you. You wouldn't say that to somebody you like. (laughs) All right, Ramil. Hey, it was great to catch up and uh, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely, Steve. It was good talking to you and thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you as always for listening and please remember to subscribe to the Assyrian podcast. We'll see you next week.